you will complete a very difficult IQ test. It's made up of eight questions under time pressure. For each question, you're going to have five seconds to select a correct answer. You're going to receive feedback about your accuracy after each question. If you answer every question correctly, you're going to get $4. For every question you answer incorrectly, you're going to lose 50 cents. Good luck minimizing your loss. Hey listeners, and welcome to Squeezing the Orange of Social Science, a podcast co-hosted by myself, comedian Akinomo Bitan, and Professor Dan Cable. On each episode, we go through peer-reviewed and published social science papers, and we pick them apart for their best of bits. What's up, Dan? Wow, are you excited? I'm very excited. I'm feeling very excited I'm very excited. I think it might be because of this study that we've read. Say more got me even more excited (laughs) (laughs) what i love about this study is it takes this idea about stress which we all feel almost every day might be a math test it might be a speech you have to give it might be a date you're going on it's going to cause stress it's going to make your body respond with some biology this article deals with whether we can interpret that stress as different emotions and if we interpret it as anxiety then it creates this negative set of responses that makes us perform worse. And if we can interpret that stress as excitement, it creates this positive response in our body that actually makes us perform better. And wow, I think that's really that. interesting. Yeah, you totally nailed that. That's, that's like an, <laughs> Should we even do it? A little Thank you, listeners. <laughs> Tune in next time. Share this we... with your friends and family. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, the two emotional states that they're looking at are anxiety and excitement. And on a physiological level, they exhibit the same symptoms. So like an increase in heart rate, mm-hmm. um, possibly like a loss of control um, and some... Oh, uh, urination? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you had to sing... In front of somebody you haven't met before, get recorded and be told that you have to score well in order to make money, you might create a little bit of stress. Totally. I could actually imagine, and I like I like a bit of karaoke, but I could imagine doing it to a stranger without alcohol, frankly, um, having that be something that causes my blood to race a little bit. Did we shout out the author? No, let's do that. Yeah, yeah, let's give a quick shout out. Alison Woodbrooks, thank you so much. Harvard Business School professor who created this, I think, incredible piece of science. And it's published in the Journal of Experimental Social Psychology. And lots of different subcomponents of this publication. I mean, I believe there's four really well-crafted studies um, looking at different types of performance and performance anxiety. And can I tell you, I can, I once used this. I actually, way back in the day when I first read this article, I was in, oh, I actually talked about this You one. did. I think it was on our intro, yes. our intro and episode. This you actually this, was yeah. a piece of science that changed my world a little bit, and it solved a bona fide problem in real time. I, I, in other words, I think it works. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, because uh, Alison Woodbrook says it works and you've, ex- you've experienced it and you can also vouch that it works. I, I, f- I find, okay, so we're going to get into the studies. Before we do so, I kind of have a bit of an issue with anxiety and not a personal issue. Mm. I, I don't think, I wouldn't describe myself as an anxious person, but I've kind of got an issue with anxiety because... 
it seems to be a a perfectly I've got to be quite sensitive, but I imagine I'm definitely going to not be. But it seems to be something which everyone experiences Mm -hmm. at some point or another. Mm -hmm. However, it's also something, because it's so broad, I I kind of feel like some people are just jumping on the anxiety train where they've not necessarily been diagnosed, but they're living a lifestyle which fortunately means they're in situations where what they do matters but they keep translating it as anxiety as opposed to stress as a well even what even because i guess as opposed to stress but i guess what i mean is i feel like people are abusing the term anxiety i see do you think it's because they want to go to the doctors and get drugs like no, get some Ritalin or something? No, no, no. <laughs> I think I think they don't want. I think oh, they don't okay. want to get. I think a lot of people who oh, claim to have anxiety, they haven't been diagnosed. You're, you're with saying anxiety. it's almost like a self handicapping. Yeah, where it's like I would have been better at this, but I'm suffering from a lot of anxiety. Yeah. Oh, wow. How about that? And because, I used to play somebody in tennis that every single match before we started playing, he would bring up some ailment. Like actually, last night I, I bumped my getting in a bed, I bumped my shin and it's kind of gone down to my heel. He would come up with some bullshit like this every time we would play. And finally, I started calling him on Like, you're just self-handicapped. Yeah. Win-win for you. Because if you win, then you beat me despite the problem. Totally. And if you lose, well, then that's a nice little yeah. excuse. It's not that you're not good. It's just that you bumped your shin and then hurt your knee or... It's so because like the study does it does it yeah okay Dan's, maybe maybe I just run up a moment yeah, Dan's thinking about his tennis nemesis and how many times he crushed him on the court but they they do bring this up in the in the study as well because part of the issue is when we're talking about anxiety especially so like they define it here as anxiety is a specific emotion characterized by high arousal negative valence uncertainty and a and a low sense of control as well but the other issue with anxiety is it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy as well so if you if you're i guess kind of leaning too heavily on the side of i'm an anxious person what you're doing is you're also causing yourself to underperform in situations but my i guess my big issue with it is there's just several people who i know personally who haven't been diagnosed with anxiety but it it seems like it's become a hot word Mm. and so similar Mm. to like your tennis rival people are using it in situations to then kind of control how they're perceived Mm. in outcomes Mm. or to manipulate people into treating them i guess nicer Mm. You know what's interesting? This study would suggest that they're hurting themselves. Yes. That's what's very interesting about this. That could be – it's counterintuitive that there is this general sense in society that when you feel this stress, which we're all going to feel, that you label it either as um, anxiety, the way you're saying right now, or you label it as something you want to try to stop. Like, I have to calm down. And what this article is saying that at the meta level, at the real high level, is that the way that you label that and the way that you talk about that kind of fools your own mind into acting that way. That's the self-fulfilling prophecy you're talking about. Yep. That's really powerful and important. And it would mean that maybe you should tell these people, 
that may not be your best way forward in terms of how you actually perform. I guess here's the way it works. And, you know, um, I'm not a medical doctor. Or as my 13-year-old daughter tells me, you're not a doctor. (laughs) And I bring up that I actually have a doctorate. And she's like, no, but not a real one. That reminds me of Ross Geller in Friends, where I think he has a bit of issue with people not necessarily acknowledging his PhD status. (laughs) Anyway, um... I'm not a medical doctor or a real doctor, but apparently at the physiological level, what seems to be happening is when you code the stress as anxiety or you tell yourself I have to calm down, you're coding it as a threat. And when our body experiences threat, it shuts down parts of our brain that access our creative decision making. It, 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 it basically shuts down our executive functioning, the thing that lets our brain do its best work. And it goes almost into a fight, flight or freeze mode, you could say. And that's fine if you're doing something rote that you've done a thousand times before, then it focuses you. So that's great. But if you're doing something that takes creativity and you're not an expert, it's demonstrable that interpreting stress as a threat makes you do worse. Yeah. There's, there's, there, at this point, there's hundreds of studies on this. So that's, this study isn't interesting in that way. It's just a replication in that sense. If you interpret it as a threat, you do worse. But that's not even really news anymore. What's really important about this is it appears that those emotions are kind of malleable. That you, as a human, can choose to interpret a different self-talk where you say out loud or even to yourself, no, no, I'm excited about this. This is a challenge where I can see what I can do. And that that self-talking changes the way your physiology allows your brain to perform. Which is what's fascinating because uh, with, when, when, you, when we dive into this study as well, it's, you, there's certain, I guess, emotional states that you can't leap from because of the conditions that you find yourself in. But what this study acknowledges is that the symptoms, so the way that our body responds if we're anxious or if we're excited is highly similar. So the idea is, can we reframe how we're approaching something so we get the benefits of how our body would react if we were excited? So very much in line with what you're saying. So I guess it's just to kind of um, clarify that there's certain states that you can't use this Mm. to jump from and to. And actually, thank you. That's really nice because you know this whole British phrase, keep calm and carry on. That whole notion of trying to keep calm when you're experiencing a lot of stress, that's one of those states that doesn't seem to work. Yes. Because if your heart is racing and if your pulse is beating and you're getting some, some, some chemicals, some adrenaline, your body knows that in a sense. And then by saying, nah, <laughs> no, no, I, that's not there. It actually compounds the problem because the body's like, no, it totally is there. <laughs> don't you, don't you sensing what I'm sending you away? Totally. <laughs> and then you, you get to a point where you're now in the, the, you're now in the realm of emotional suppression. So you've got your heart that's trying to race to kind of like gear you up, like, yo, let's do this. And now you're, you're physically resisting that urge so that you can enter a state of calm but like at a psychological and physiological level your 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 system is automatically ready to be a bit like no this is a situation in which you need to be at a high state of arousal so that you can operate at your best yes for some reason we're fighting that. that's right and that's that's you've just really put a nice that summarizes 
what this article um, tests in really fun ways. And so, for instance, that one quote that I put at the very beginning of the um, podcast today, she had people come in to the lab and take a very difficult math test. And it's a real math test with real right answers. And she stressed them. She is. She is. I mean, you. You heard. She. She basically called an IQ test, which threatens basically my mental ability. Um, it's going to be publicly posted. That's going to kind of get me all messed up and aroused. There's money. I'm going to be watched, and then I'm going to be evaluated, and there's going to be money. And then they throw in this right hook at the end, which is like, try not to mess it up. <laughs> I mean, that's just a lot of load of stress that she shovels onto people. And then half of them. She flashed up this thing that said, you know, get excited. And half of them, randomly assigned, she flashed up this thing that said, calm down. Try to calm down. And she found statistically significant, substantial differences. I think they got, like, in one study, 8% more of the questions right if it said get excited. And in the next one, they replicated the whole thing. And then it was 9%. Replicated the whole thing again. What I love about this is there's objectively right answers that they're they're accessing their brain in a better, more effective way, simply by flashing up, get excited. Yep. Did that surprise you? It, it totally surprised me because I guess when I think about knowledge, it's a bit like, well, you either know it or you don't. And also as well, there's an element of, of luck as well, like you could be guessing. So for the study to then be replicated and for that percentage to be within a similar margin, yeah. there's a consistency there yeah. that it's hard to shake and off. Picture and picture this. Be- I mean, I love this stuff. Picture a real test. You're sitting in a maths class. And this is the difference between getting like a 71%, which, you know, we call like a C, and an 80%, which would be called a B. Like, it's actually a very substantial jump in the number that you're getting right, but it's the identical questions and it's the identical brain. It's just saying that the brain has a lot more ability and potential than we give it credit for when we're stressed. And by reinterpreting it... Oh, sorry. Can, no. Can, yeah, yeah, no, that ooh was just, it's, I find it interesting that as humans, we're almost self-aware to a fault. Like our brains mm-hmm. are like, don't worry about it. I got this. It's like we're like the backseat driver. Yeah. And the brain is like this yeah. experienced New York cab driver who knows all the back streets and can get you there in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. But let's say there's a bit of traffic. So because of that traffic now, you're a bit anxious that you're going to be late. And the driver's like, don't worry no, about it. I got it. this. I Send got this. I've done this a thousand times. But yet we're still telling yes. the driver, take that street, yeah. switch yeah. that lane. Yeah. Maybe you should go. It's like, no, yeah. don't worry about it. So it's like we're now, as humans, operating at a level of self-awareness so high that it's detrimental uh-huh. Uh-huh. to how we could instinctively operate. That's such a good analogy. It's like, it's bizarre. I know. Like, I know. And now what this article seems to be doing is to take your analogy, it's going up meta one more sense where like we would have an AI that is looking at our backseat drivers and then saying, oh no, stop doing that. Just say like, get excited. You're going to be there on time. Yeah. It's almost like you have to get up above that and say, okay, I'm feeling stressed rather than interpret that as anxiety. I need to reframe that as excitement. And that ability to go meta, to interpret your own state and then switch it toward the more effective paradigm, that's, for me, that's one of the coolest things about this article. 
Oh, man. So the, the math study was as fun as a math study can be. <laughs> Let's, uh, <laughs> should we move on? Let's, I really love the karaoke one. The karaoke, karaoke. The karaoke study <laughs> was... so clever. The, it was clever. Oh. And it was it was a little bit kind of like, I got, I got to give uh, you behavioral scientists or social scientists, you people who are coming up with all of these different ways of, of, of experimenting on our cognitive abilities, our biases, our assumptions... You guys get creative. Like, just the idea alone of getting a bunch of people to come into a karaoke booth to sing Don't Stop Believing by Journey. How would you do with that one, by the way? Man, see, you know what? When I started reading this, I was a bit like, okay, everyone relax. Singing karaoke is not anxiety-inducing. Relax. You're in a booth. You've had a few drinks. It's all of your close friends. It's loud. Everyone's going to jump in anyway to chill out. Sometimes you'd wish they'd back off a little because you've got this one and they're all just yelling, aren't they? And then I carried on reading and I was a bit like, no, what Alison Woods Brooks has done here? This is cold (laughs) blooded because (laughs) you're not in, you're not like, you're not like in, you're not like in central London like underneath like a Chinese takeaway and some illegal karaoke booth where you're allowed to bring your own booze whilst eating fried rice and chow mein. You're in, you're in a behavioral science lab. And not only that, they hook you up to this Nintendo Wii, which is going to record your singing ability. So there's stakes there as well. Cause you're a bit like, Oh Absolutely. no, this is going to measure. It's going to give you an objective score on whether you nailed it. Yeah. And by the way, if you really nailed it, you get an extra fiver. Yeah. So there's like, there is a pressure <laughs> to actual perform incentives there. In- but also the <laughs> other cruel part about this is you show up for this lab. You show up to this lab, sorry, for this study. And then, like, you know, you have some lab assistants who are a bit like, this is what it is, read this information. Then you go into, I believe, another room where they explain how we're going to, like, we want to get you now into a state. Because before, at this point as well, they're also taking your um, your heart rate. That's right. So, like, they're looking at your resting heart rate. Then they look at your heart rate after you find out what the uh, the actual experiment is. Uh, and then on top of that, so you have um, these lab research partners that you meet when you arrive. Then you have some uh, some lab partners who then give you information about the study. Then you have a person who you've never met before who walks you into a room where in the corner of the room, there's a Nintendo Wii, a television screen with the lyrics. And guess what? This one person who you've never met before takes a seat and is like, go ahead and sing Journeys Don't Stop Believing. Make Believe. my day. That's weirder. That's significantly really weirder. Weird. than awkward. Being, yeah, just having yes. this one person yes. who you've never met and is totally indifferent to you. And now I've got to sing Journeys. And can I Don't emphasize again, with no alcohol. With I no just, <laughs> I almost can't say enough how cold-blooded to be in a Harvard lab trying to perform in front of a stranger this one song. And for me... That particular song is a little too well known to be a lot of fun as well. Ooh, you know, I mean, that's partly why it was. Uh, yes, yeah, it was the twenty-first yeah. most downloaded song on iTunes. It is a really well-known song, especially in the U.S. where this was done. And um, oh wow, I mean, you got a nice range. You, you, but what they found is they randomly told half of the people right before they were going to start singing to say, "I felt excited." And half the people, right before they start the singing, they were told to say, I feel anxious. And the really weird thing for me, Akin, and I'm really interested in getting your response to this, is she told them, and then try to believe it. Yes. 
I find that to be, well, listen, it worked, and I think it's really interesting, but it is one of my interesting questions is, if you randomly tell somebody to say something, like I'm excited, and try to believe it, how is it that that works? How, how is it that it... Uh, that's pretty interesting. What were your thoughts about that? Yeah, just a few thoughts. So some of them were told uh, to say, I am anxious. Some were told to say, I'm excited. And because it's science, I guess there's like a control group as well. So there was some who was like, no statement or just go in have yourselves a good time. Um, I, I love this idea of like, really believe it. And what I really love about that, not just because the song is called Don't Stop Believing, but there was two participants who were dismissed from the study. <laughs> so these participants, these are two participants, they failed to respond with the correct state. They were given the statement and they failed to respond to the... So they they've Well, that's what I was wondering. I'm like, is this how debilitating anxiety can be? Because they would have received maybe like an email or something along the lines of, we've got this study, would you like to sign up for it? And I imagine there's like a small brief where it doesn't give too much information away. So they're a bit like, oh, I could get like an extra $5 with the potential to earn an extra five more as well. Awesome. This is worth half an hour or 45 minutes of my time. They then get there. So they're still on board at this point. Yep. So yeah, they, they've they, taken the time out of their schedule. Yeah. They then get more information. They're getting their heart rate monitored. They're still on board. They then go to another room where it's like, okay, so this is what the study is. We just need you to now, just before you do it, just say and believe to yourself, I am I am anxious, I'm excited, or even just no statement. There were two people who I imagine, I'm assuming these were part of the I am anxious group. This is my assumption. And I believe that they were just they so... They left the building. They, they didn't even leave. They were... Because it's not even that they leave. It says, like, I'm going to use the wording here because the wording was very important. It says two participants were dismissed. <laughs> they didn't leave. They were dismissed from the study for failing to respond with the correct statement. Yeah. So they were either morons <laughs> who at this point with several layers of information provided still did not understand the simple step required or which is my assumption the anxiety of having to perform this task was so great that they kind of messed up yo Alison Woodbrooks if you get around to listening to this I want to know what's the story behind these two, two individuals people. that were dismissed like I would like some clarity on what did they do where it was just like, you just have to leave yeah, now you know because what, that, your that, input yeah, I think is we're not, through here. Yeah, yeah, I think. I think. <laughs> well, for those other people that actually did sing, <laughs> yeah, <do you> have <laughs> here's what I found interesting. It's not just that they sang a little better. Mm. And by the way, we have to remember, this was not graded by the person in the room that heard them say I'm excited. There was no priming here. Totally. This is technology, people. Yes. The technology does not count whether they said I'm excited this before singing. This is objective. <laughs> this, is very, this is cold. This yeah. is clinical. Okay. Um, so what happens is those that said I'm excited, they averaged an 80.5. That's actually a pretty good score. I don't think I could get an 80.5. I think you can get an 8.5. <clears throat> Just a city boy. <laughs> okay, you've already, because that's not the opening lyric. So yeah, you're already, you've already done yourself. Is that uh, a city I think you boy? were right the first time. I don't think yeah. you could score. I think I'd be down in the 5. no statement condition, which is 69. I think Dan is one of the two people who were asked to leave. 
And then uh, in the I am anxious condition, it's almost 30% lower. It's 52%. So it's almost like if there's no statement at all, you're batting around to 70. You get an extra 10, 10.5% if you say I'm excited. If you say I'm anxious and cue that kind of stress, you drop, what is that, 15% more. So, I don't know, the results are just so compelling, um, in part because it is a bona fide stressful situation. It is not like, think about if you had to sing. It's more like, no, you actually are going to come in and you're going to do this thing. And I think in part because these aren't small differences. These are not sort of statistically significant differences that don't really make a difference. This is a 30% jump in performance. And I think it's also important to note that, so when we have, we have these free groups, so one group are told to say I am anxious and to believe it another group are told to say I am excited and to believe it and another there's no statement whatsoever it's just go get in there have a blast what's important to note as well because we mentioned about the heart rate monitors it's important to note that across the board all of them their heart rates were exaggerated they were all operating at a high state of arousal so just because they were told to get excited does not mean that they calmed down or found the task any easier. Yeah, it's I just say? as stressful. Yeah. It's just as stressful. That's actually a huge point. Life is stressful, and there's actually lots of research suggesting that our bodies need stress. Stress is not a bad thing. The interpretation of stress as a threat is the bad thing. Totally. That's where the cortisol comes in and our body doesn't operate well and our brain shuts down and we're not able to process um, effectively. So that's what's really cool and interesting about this study. And I'm glad you brought that up because there was no differences between those hearts, heart rate depending on whether it was excited or anxious. Yeah, and I'd like to yeah. jump on top of what you just mentioned there as well, Dan, because the study also highlights quite early on that anxiety isn't all negative and timing is very important with some of these initiatives because they, they I learned a new phrase whilst reading this or a new term and it was this idea of defensive pessimism and the idea behind defensive pessimism is so say you have something that's upcoming yep. so you have to do like let's say you have to do public speaking you've got a talk to give if you're someone who is who finds that especially anxiety inducing what defensive pessimism does is it means that you're more likely to spend more time preparing Correct. for it so it actually serves a great function in the sense of because i know this isn't something i'm highly skilled or capable at i'm going to spend more time preparing so that i don't make a fool of myself so, it's a so that i'm able to operate in a competent manner right. and i guess along the idea of competency as well the, the the second study that they looked at was along the vein of public speaking which i think is like in everyone's top 10 yes like that fears so of like greatest fears yeah and at different times in life for the particular age you know if you're talking about students for example that's when public speaking seems the most threatening yeah and a lot of people almost can't do it and they absolutely replicate it again i mean we probably don't need to say so so much about it but essentially what happened is people had to give a, a two-minute speech in front of um a camera, you were being recorded, it was going to be shown to people. There was, I actually think there was a person standing there again. And it was going to be a public speech about why you're a good work partner, why you'd be somebody good to work with. And again, uh, I don't know if there's anything you wanted to say about this, but essentially those that said 
that they were um, excited to do that beforehand were judged by people that weren't even in the room who watched the video completely objective. They were judged to be more persuasive, more confident, more confident, and more persistent. Um, they also gave longer speeches. Yeah. They actually talked a little bit longer, like they got into it a little bit. Yeah, I think what's interesting about this one is that the... So this wasn't uh, I am anxious versus I am excited. This was the the two statements that they primed them with that you could say is I am excited versus I am calm. And we mentioned at the top is that trying to force yourself in a, into a state of calm, it's like you're now wrestling with your body's yeah. kind of like instinct instincts. And so it was looking at how does that then affect your performance? So I can imagine if you're someone who's told themselves to calm down and the whole time you're giving this talk, you're wrestling with your heart rate and That's your right. sweat and That's all right. of that. That's right. I imagine then you're more thinking as soon as that two minute hits, I'm out, I'm out of yes. here. Whether someone who's a bit excited, especially when you mention creativity at the top and it's about to talk about why you're someone people would like to work with. I imagine that person... When, once it hits two minutes, they're like, I've only just begun waffling. <laughs> can, can I get another minute? Yeah, like, it's like, it's like, oh, all of a sudden it's like, oh, maybe I've got a little story to tell or maybe I've got a little tangent to go on or maybe I'm actually feeling myself. I'm a bit like, oh, actually, I am someone who's really nice to work with. Whereas the people who were told to be calm, I imagine that they were looking at it in a state of, I, I need to convey this information. Yep. And I imagine that also affects how how i guess how charming personable i don't think it's actually looked at in well but those would come explicitly. through like per- yeah. persuasiveness like yeah. charm would come through in terms of persuasion but i guess what i mean by that is what was just like your personality because a lot of us have got like i'm going to assume most people have got like especially if you've got friends or people who want to spend time around you there's something that you're putting out there that is quite attractive to people and when you're now in a state of calm or you're suppressing your own Mm -hmm. identity Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily going to come out so there's stuff about you where it's a bit like maybe it's the friendliness or the the kind of i don't know your little your repertoire or whatever it is that now gets suppressed as well because your brains now you're kind of overriding your brain's ability to tap into that kind of like that juge and instead it's just like get this information out. Is that a technical? Or just juge? Yeah, I don't even, I, there's some words that I say where, yeah, I think it's from zhuzhin up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get the etymology. <laughs> well, I Go think, um, I think that there's two things I wanted to respond around this. One of them is this idea um, of what most people think is the right answer around calm down. Mm. Because they did this one study in this paper where they asked people, If you are in a stressful situation and you do have to give this public speech, do you think it's better advice to relax and calm down or like to try to be excited instead of anxious or to like try to cancel the speech and find somebody else to do it? And 90.9% of the people, this was 91% of the people said that the best advice would be try to relax and calm down. Only 7% of the people said, try to be excited instead of anxious. Yeah. And, and um, 
1.2% said, I'd cancel the speech. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's those two people. We, we've all met. Yeah, that's those two. We've all met people in that that, that one point you know something what? percent. Get somebody else to do that work. Yeah, that's on, heavy lifting. On the day you're ringing, they're not picking up. And it's just like, oh, they've bailed. And <laughs> like, not yeah. even in the state anymore. <laughs> yeah, they've like, they've bumped off like a fake aunt so that they can get out of having to give this speech. <laughs> so anyway, my point here is actually to bring up this idea that... Um, it is not common knowledge that it is even possible to switch from anxious to excited. That's not something people know. But to the contrary, most people, the vast majority of people, are saying the best advice is something that is demonstrably wrong. Mm. And I think that that's what's so cool about science. I think that we've brought this kind of thing up before. There's a double um, hit now on the revealing st- uh, study that we talked about. Yep. And I think that that is a really interesting connection here because, number one, that is also a situation where people think it's better to hide information than reveal. And number two is your whole comment you just made about authenticity. If you are fighting your own emotions and trying to hide that, you're probably not coming off as real likable. Yeah. You're hiding things. You're probably seen as kind of like neurotic. You're probably seen as like somebody I can't really trust. So persuasive, not so much. Do I want to work with you? Not Not so so much. much. (laughs) <laughs> I guess um, in terms of like some of our closing points as well, uh, honestly, like uh, I'm going to shout out the title and the author once more because this, I, some of these studies, they're a bit grueling to get through. Even though there's a lot of gems in there, they are a bit grueling. This was such an easy read. It was a fun read. It was an easy read. And it was also like light on the page count as well. So this one is titled Get Excited, Reappraising Pre-Performance Anxiety as Excitement. And it's by Alison Wood Brooks. And I just want to say, if you do have like, if you just need like a bit of like, if, if you're listening, Dan and I are covering like some of this. There's heaps more within the these pages which i think would be super useful and then the other thing i wanted uh to say as well and hopefully it's a bit empowering for people out there so uh towards the end there's a under the heading of practical implication it says my findings demonstrate the profound control and influence we have over our own emotions so we're 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 exhibiting this control but not necessarily in a way that benefits us. So now we're given the insight to know that we can tweak it so that we're going to operate in a way where how we're manipulating how we feel in situations is to our benefit. And it also goes on to say that the way we verbalize and think about our feelings help to construct the way we actually feel, which is to suggest that if you are thinking or feeling in a certain state one, it is not permanent, but two, you have the ability within yourself to apply some reframing so that you can flip it into a more positive state. And that positive state can hopefully bring about an upward spiral as well, where you find a situation that is challenging, you tell yourself that you're going to get excited about it. Because you get excited about it, you now perform better. Because you perform better, when you're in similar situations, you now don't find it as anxiety inducing because you've got a mental reference point of how you were able to overcome that feeling at a previous point as well so this is very empowering science where it's not saying go here go there or go to this person it's actually saying within yourself you've got the ability to actually change how you think and feel and perform in situations
Thank you, Akin. That was a beautiful summary. <laughs> I really enjoyed that, genuinely. <laughs> oh, awesome. Cheers, Dad. <laughs> and uh, and uh, as always, I love going through this science with you and squeezing the orange. And I, I love how you were trying to get the readers to go out and read it themselves because I, I got this visual of like, you know, if you have a juicer, you're able to like do the settings for like how much pulp. Totally. And like some people, it's just like, you know what, just the juice, no bits, no strands, you know, just kind of what is the, the pure drinkability here. And then some people, they put a little pulp in there, a little yeah. rough. Yeah, they kind of make it a little more real. And this is more like, just give me the orange. Yeah, just give me the orange. I'll peel it. I'll take out the seeds. I'll do the mastication. Thanks very much, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, listeners. Oh, you guys are the best. Cheers. Cheers.